Welcome back to the character corner. Oh wait, hold on. We got it. We got it. What? We got change. We got change the announcement. Welcome back. Are you recording? To the award-nominated character Ooh. corner podcast. I like it. I like <laughs> yeah, gotta, it. That's a nice time. I didn't know you were going there, but I like that. Yeah. Um. So we took a little break. You know, there was a San Diego Comic Con. Life just came at Deep Palm and I fast. Uh, we did put some stuff out on the on the on the feed. You know, uh, Deepom did his little uh, short update for the Tim Drake podcast and um, episode, and we just put the pull list out. But neither of those have been like Character Corner proper, right? The Character Corner is the show where myself, Chris, and Deepom talk about our you know favorite character corner uh, characters, comic book characters, comic book series, and we kind of discuss the history of them and go through them. We haven't really had a proper issue uh, episode since beginning of July. Uh, for the Chris Claremont run we've been doing, uh, Chris Claremont uh, X Men Part Two, um, and so after the episode dropped, I noticed that the podcast awards, uh, were live and accepting nominations. So I signed the Character Corner up for that, and you know I asked our fans on like Facebook, Twitter, on other shows we have on the network to kind of go and vote for us, and it turns out. We actually got nominated. We're in the final 10 slate for the entertainment category for the podcast. Um, and like I said, it's the funniest thing that uh, it's like the opposite of getting fired in your day off. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I really did want to properly thank everyone who voted for, for sure. us and, and, and the fans who listened and voted for us at Cater Corner because it, it means a lot to us. It, and it means a lot that we didn't actually put a proper show out yet still got enough votes to get into this final slate of nominations here. Uh, and I just want to say thank you very much. And, and honestly, even if we don't win, which don't get me wrong, we want to win. Um, we're really greedy. Yeah, we're really greedy. Um, to me, this portion here, uh, and this because it, it's slug voting for the final vote. So some of you all who signed up to, to, to vote might have gotten emails from the podcast of war to be in the final group of, of select listeners to vote for us. Um, but it's not a popular vote type of deal. But the nominations are kind of. So the fact that we were able to get into the top 10 lets me know that our listeners at least, you know, supported us and came out and voted in droves to kind of get us to this point. And I just wanted to say thank you guys very, very much. Like I said, Deepom and I love doing this show. I mean, it's just a, it's, it's a way for two, two, two friends to talk about comic book characters. We honestly would do this shit probably if it wasn't a podcast, apparently. <laughs> So, because yeah. we end up sure. talking a lot anyway through text and stuff like that anyway about just stuff we read. So, and we always find new ways to like the pull is turned into its own. Sh- like we need to talk about that how we turn the pull list into an episode like that. And <laughs> you normally you like complain when I do th- things like that to you, and you were just like, "Yeah, let's do it." So yeah, that just tells you how much we love talking about comic book characters. So um, yeah, I just wanted before we jump into this this episode, I just want to say For thank sure. you to everybody. Uh, for doing yeah, that. accurate man. Thank you, thank everyone. Like you said, who turned out, who listened, and like Chris said, like more than anything, listening, like y'all mobilized and y'all did something. Like, yeah, the top ten is nice, and I do hope we win. Honestly, like there's some podcasts with real backing on there, and I'll take the Pepsi challenge with any of those podcasts. But uh, it just it just shows the support you guys have for the network and for us, and we appreciate it. Also supporting us, five star reviews. We got a brand new one. Val been tripping on repeat. Been listening to the podcast for years now and still love it. Thank you. I can re-listen to any episode and pick up stuff I missed the first time around. Listen to the old Tim Drake before the update's short. Keep up the great work. Thank you very much for the five-star review. As always, leave a five-star review on the air. 
Sometimes we get suggestions. Sometimes we get characters you want to see. Sometimes we ignore anything you ask for and get really self-indulgent and read a bunch of Claremont X-Men, which is how we got here. Yeah, that's how we got here. Um, and it started, again, just so we understand, this is us doing, I'm going to call this New Mutants Part 1 because there's definitely going to be a Part 2. We're gonna basically going to track this as we're doing. We're tracking this as we do the Claremont X-Men. And what I realized is we started doing the Claremont X-Men run, right? We did up to the, the Dark Phoenix Saga um, in the first episode. And then the last episode we did up to issue 200 which is the trial of Magneto. And after we go through that, like in between that piece, right, of, of um, when we started uh, part two after the Dark Phoenix Saga and the trial of Magneto, Chris Claremont went off and decided to start another X-book um, with these new mutants. And let me just say up front, you can read all the Claremont X-Men and not touch the new mutants. You'll miss some stuff in there, but you'll be fine. But reading these things brings so much new, like, context to what you're reading in the main X book that it's almost to the point where you're like, no, you kind of got to read them. It's, it's super interesting to go back and read this. Because first of all, I think this is the first time I sat down and read all of, X, of uh, New Mutants. Yeah. Like, I don't, I think I've dabbed in here and there. And, like, obviously, some of these characters are some of my favorite characters. Shout out to Cannonball. Um, but yeah, this is the first time I really sat down and made a concerted effort to read them all in one sitting. First things first, I forget how cool Bill Sinkiewicz drawing mutants is. Bruh. <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's something to be said about a creator defining the look and feel of a book. Because when Bill Sinkiewicz comes on, it's... Mwah. Yeah, it's, it's, it is... What was it? I what issue was? It? I'm trying to think. Was 18. it 11 or 12? I thought it was 18. I thought it was when he when he starts with the. Oh, I'm thinking because with Sal and then uh yeah the cloud yeah it, it's the demon bear saga. He comes in and it completely yeah. from the artwork point of view it completely and again it's not the saying that it was bad beforehand but no, once he gets in the was, book and demon bear it's like it totally elevates the story and and the seriousness of the book and what's going on like it's it's a lot um. And it's so funny you mentioned that this is like the first time kind of going back and rereading this New Mutant stuff. It's so funny because as I'm going through some of this stuff, I realize that as we've done other uh, episodes, and just so we know, I just want to make this clear to everyone. We've been talking about how uh, at some point we'll do an X-Men podcast. Like, and that's our thinking about all the, the, the episodes we've already done. We've done Wolverine. We've done Colossus. We've done Kitty Pride, We've done the Summers Brothers. We've done Magneto. We did Cable. Out of those yep. like six books right there, there are so many times we come back to some of these characters that are here in the New Moons or the New Moons books themselves. And I'm like, yo, we've actually, we did Emma Frost. Like, I'm like, we, we did do Emma. I'm like, oh my God, like all of this stuff like ties together. So it's, it's, it's funny when we do these episodes, how it's fun for us to kind of go back and rediscover and find new little pieces because especially when you do Marvel, it's like they're, everything's connected. And so you can take a small chunk over here only focus on that and then come back and do another chunk and be like, wow, that puts what, the chunk I read before in a whole new context. Like, we'll get into this later, but like, there's, you get more information on the Emma and, and Kitty Pride feud that brings more into picture, like her attitude towards Emma, like when Joss Whedon takes over that book and then afterwards you're like, I totally understand why Kitty hates this one. <laughs> oh, for sure. 
Oh, oh, for sure. Like Kitty hating her makes a thousand percent sense. Yeah. One of the cooler things about reading this now is that well, I'm also currently reading the Hickman book, and like we we talked about Claremont's style of writing. He, he's like see a lot of plots, and he'll haphazardly like what haven't I picked up from, and just go back to his books. I've been talking about uh, Hickman is like, what if Claremont had a plan? <laughs> That's what it is, like, because yeah. the like the logical end of his book should have been Dark Phoenix, mm-hmm. but, but the way he structured it and the way he wrote it didn't fit that way. What Hickman's doing is like he knows the end point, which is something that I think even Claremont, even that era of writing, didn't know at the point because mm-hmm. they didn't. The idea that you would be on a book for eleven years is kind of unheard of. But then again, when you're on a book, you don't actually envision the point where they say, we're done having you write this. Hickman's got, he comes in and says, I've got a mission statement. I know the story I want to tell. I know the end. I know the beginning. The middle's going to weird everyone out. Let's do it. And Chris Claremont's just like, oh, that line you read uh, two years ago? That mattered like a motherfucker. Well, it's so funny. We're, we're going to get into this, but it's like when, you know, uh, Sean dies, Karma dies in like issues six and seven. And mm-hmm. that character comes back, you find out is alive, like in issue 32. You know, you're like, did yeah. you plan that? Because that's, whoa, that's, that's a lot. And there's, there's all these little pieces here when you, we go into, um, you know, the scary Rasputin is what I'm going to call her. <laughs> <laughs> the, the scary one. Um, even stuff like that, like, it's so much. But even then, so I, I, was, I was going through this stuff, and, and it made me realize some things as we were looking at this, right? The, 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 the funny thing to me, so there's two things I want to get off my chest before we even get down to this. One, I wanted to say, um, we put out a New Mutants uh, episode before that New Mutants uh, movie came out. So I just want to let you guys know, we did not, I did not actually plan to do New Mutants in August, which is supposed to be the same month that New Mutants is supposed to release as, la- la- as last release date, which was August 2nd. Did not plan that. I just want to say. You saw the, you saw the report, right? Yes, now, now, oh, that, that, that Disney is not, in, or Marvel's not. Disney's in not pleased with the footage. You think? You think? You know what's crazy is, I look at that, I look at the, the, who they cast, and I'm like, that could have actually worked if you actually put them in costumes. It could have actually worked. Like, I can't remember who. You mean if you just shot New Mutants? That's crazy, Chris. Right. That's insane. And you know what? I want to do something I haven't done a lot on this podcast. I want to apologize to the Fox to executives. Because. I, and someone who didn't really, you know, kind of in, invest heavily in the mutants, I forgot how weird and mystic and kind of horror this book actually is. Yeah. So the idea of doing a horror story with these characters isn't out as out of mind as it would seem. Oh, no, it's actually really on brand. There's a really good way to do it. Like, I would just shoot do Demon Beer, honestly. Mm. But I would just shoot that, like, frame for frame. Um... But no, no costume is a big mistake. Like huge mistake. I just like laughably. I. What year do you think it is for you? Like we're doing a superhero movie, no costumes. I just that's not that that's not how we do this. That's not. That's not. You know, like, and you know, all got me rereading or reading this. I should say the opening issue with the opening two issues with the Sentinels, mm-hmm. bro. That's the first episode of X Men animated series. Yeah. Yeah. Sentinels in a mall. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so here's the funny thing as, as I'm going through this, right? 
and, and we put this in the context of the other stuff we've been reading with Claremont X-Men, right? To me, it seemed like the New Mutants was almost a way to, to reset the X-Men. You know, at this point, the X-Men are grown. Um, we do have Kitty Pride who came in, but was still kind of joined the X-Men. But there aren't any kids, right? And so you basically get to retell the origin of the X-Men, the, the X-Men teen stories with a new team. There are five original members of the New Mutants team. There were five of the original X-Men. And, like, they each... It, it's like if you were to tell the X-Men origin, but for that new time period, after having known what you knew back in the 60s, let's now tell that origin in the 80s with different characters. But unlike what DC does, which is they, DC would have just redone, rebooted the X-Men, and you would have got a whole <laughs> new X-Men team. They're like, no, no. We can, we'll, we'll put them in the same place. We, we, we've removed the X-Men from Charles Xavier, and we have a Charles Xavier who's doubting himself who then gets these kids basically thrust on him. You know, it's Moira brings um, uh, rain to, to him. They, uh, Karma's actually, uh, actually shows up in a, and I want to say, what is it, the team-up book? She's in another book. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, the, the Marvel team-up. In the Marvel uh, team book. She meets up and fights the Fantastic Four and With Spider-Man. Spider-Man, yeah. Um, and those are like the first two students he brings in. Then they go and they find Sam. They bring in uh, Bobby. Uh, and they bring in Daniel Moonstar. So, he, he reforms his team and has to start all over again with, from basically from scratch, of teaching these young students. And he's like, I don't want you guys to be X-Men. I'm going to something new, you know? And we start over from there. And what you do is you then take what, what the X-Men had become at that point, right? One, you have a fully diverse team. You have Sam, who is, I think it was from Kentucky, a uh, coal miner from t- Kentucky. You have uh, Sean from Vietnam. You have Daniel Moonstar, Native American, Roberto da Costa from um, uh, Brazil, and you had Rain from Scotland. So you had, again, just like that uh, X-Men giant size issue that brought uh, a team together of, from different countries, you have the same right. thing here. Um, but then also the thing that really gets me is you have this young teenage squad of heroes who's not just struggling with their own powers, but also their own, own hangups, right? So you have... Um, so as you go through this original team, you have Sam Guthrie, who, uh, he's struggling with change. Uh, he, um, he's the oldest on the team after Sean dies. So he's the next oldest at 16. Um, at, when you meet him, he is, uh, he's working in a coal mine because his father died in that coal mine. And he's, he's trying to work in the coal mine so that maybe his brother, his siblings will not have to do what he's doing, which is, Working the coal mine because that was his father. It's very important you know what he's doing it for his siblings because yeah. these motherfucking Guthries will keep popping up over the course of X Men. Yeah, and 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 it also really def- when you when you read these issues and you understand like each one of these characters, their backgrounds and where they come from inform so much of their personality. So when he becomes one of the co co leaders of the team, he's very protective of the other members. He's very hard on himself. Because he feels like if he makes a mistake, then he's let everybody else down. And he also has the most problems controlling his powers and, and the internal pressure he puts on himself. So you see that with Sam. With, with, with Danielle, she, has, she, she projects a sense of pride uh, and confidence in the fact that she's... Um, but she's also definitely afraid of her powers. There's several times when she believes that her powers are what led her parents to the demon bear, which we'll get into a little bit later. Um, and she constantly finds herself going overboard. And, when she first uses her powers, she can only use her powers to pull out people's fears. Like, her power is to pull illusions from people's minds. And she's, when she first uses this power, 
she only, she thinks her power is actually to pull out their fear. She has no other control of her power, so her powers feel so negative, and she's always afraid of going too far. And then if she ever loses control of her powers, even among her friends, she's pulling out these she's pulling out their fears, and so she's even though she projects a sense of pride and confidence, she's afraid of that. Um, you have Bobby, who's athletic and overconfident, literally gets the powers of a son, and so of the son, and so he thinks he's invulnerable, but he's constantly get his ass whooped, <laughs> which is hilarious. Um, but he thinks he's invincible. Um, I also love the fact that, that Claremont and them threw that little racism in. <laughs> you know, it's... Wait, wait. No, like the, well, the racism when, 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 he, when he first started, remember when he's on the soccer field before his powers manifest, oh, yeah. like, like they don't like him because um, he's, he's a black Brazilian and he's dating a white Brazilian. They, they literally call him a monster and then he turns into basically this black hole it turns into a monster. So it's like that whole so, piece. So thing. I like how it's a play on the original X-Men. Like Jean Grey, but only fly your fears. Yeah. Um, Cannonball. It's exciting because you can fly, but motherfucker cannot turn. Cannot. Can, cannot bank worth the damn. Cannot turn. <laughs> Bobby's pretty clearly Warren. Yeah. Yep. It, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's. Rain and beast, like it's these, it's these yeah. little twists. Yeah, and and, the, and, the, and you're and, like, okay, good. You no, know, it's a little twist, like you said. But then they add the other pieces, and they're like making rain, uh-huh. and it's something that her her being ultra conservative, right? You know, and it's so funny because he's ultra conservative. He's always talking about how she thinks Nightcrawler is this demon. When when we get Eliana, and she's like, well, she's a witch, she's a sorcerer, she's evil, and I'm like, but you literally turn into a werewolf. We meet you because. The village people are literally chasing after you, like you Frank, like, like you're, like you're, like you're, you're Frankenstein's monster. But I love, the, I love the fact that Claremont has this nuance and this layers to, mm-hmm. to rain because her self loathing mm-hmm. like feeds all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously Claremont plays with it, but even to this day, like Peter David was pulling that out in X Factor. Mm-hmm. Like it's he created, and I think honestly, this is a, it's him saying if I had gotten the original five. There'd have been three girls, two boys. They'd have been way more diverse, and this is how they would have been actual full people and not just powers with glasses. And now, spoilers for um, Hickman. Sorry, kids. If you look back now, <laughs> Charles picking out violent power sets is not a mistake. <laughs> well, Cerebro seems to be picking up a, a boy who can blast through walls and can't be harmed. Interesting. What about the kid with the third eye? Well, yeah, it, he, he didn't ping Cerebro, bitch. Next question. It also brings in, in, in Rain, right? Who finds Rain? It's Moira. Who, who's the one that convinces Charles Xavier? Oh, Moira's all over the motherfucker. Right, exactly. Like, I'm sorry, the Hickman stuff now makes me look at all this stuff. Because, like, you know, he did. Right, right, right. Um, this is all very strange. So I feel like I'm, I'm treading in his back matter for what he's doing now. Yeah, it, it's, it's so interesting. Uh, it's and then so you have this, and like you said, I, I like the idea of, you know, this being Claremont going, if I had, if I had control of the X-Men, this is what I would, this is the diverse team I would have made up front. And then again, it's not really erasing what you did before, but it's just expanding on it, right? It's like, you get the self-loathing of Rain. We know about the self-loathing of, of, of Hank McCoy and Beach, right? We see it throughout everything he does, but sometimes it's, it's, you're almost... It gets to when we're almost not sympathetic to it sometimes. You're like, yo, Hank, you did this to yourself. Like, kind of a, 
you're smart, but you're kind of a dumbass. You're yourself trying to get rid of your mutant powers. Right. You're kind of a you're kind of a you're kind of an asshole and a dick yourself, right? So it's like you have you you, you can have that same office. With Rain though, you kind of just you feel for her. Like because there there's just little moments. Like there there'll be a moment when like I think it was like I can't remember which character it was like put a dress on. She was like, Oh, that's showing too much skin for me. I'm I'm too conservative. And she's she she has these real struggling moments where she's like you, you see the thought bubble when she, she looks at Nightcrawler, she's like, but he's like a demon, but I shouldn't feel this way because I know he's so nice to me, but I just, I, and you see the internal struggle with her. The idea that she's an orphan, and so she really does consider Moira her mother, so she has these moments of feeling not wanted. Like, there's a moment when, um, later on in, in these issues, where um, uh, uh, I think it's um, Banshee comes home, right? And it, he, he's hugging up on Moira, and, and, and Rain sees that, and she's like, oh, she must have forgotten me about me already. She doesn't care about me anymore. And Mora has to go over to Rain and be like, no, babe. Like, no, I, I still love you. You're still... And she, they, there's a moment later on. I think it's, it's, it's an issue where they, um, where, uh, they reveal that Legion is... Um, Charles is uh, well, actually, we knew that before. But it's the Legion mm-hmm. issue. And they had all... The, the New Mutants and, and Charles Xavier had all gone to um, uh, Mirror Island. And... She's like, and that's the first time that, that, that I think Rain calls Moya her mother. I was like, you have all this, you see the struggling with her. And it's, it's very, very intriguing, very interesting to see this. Um, and then, like, she's not in the original five, um, but, but evil Rasputin. <laughs> oh, you say evil? She's not evil. She's got evil she's in her. Iliana Rasputin, you Iliana. Look, man. She's not. She she's lived not. half her life in a. Well, so so here's the funny, funny thing about this character, right? The way they did this, and I really look at if you look at each one of these other characters, even in the original five of the New Mutants, and then they wrote, bring uh, Ileana in here. When when they when they bring her in here, I, I like to throw her into this five because she plays such a huge role. Like right. after I want to say I can't remember what issue number she plays such a huge huge role in this. But when you look at her, she really represents like. The idea of a child hitting puberty, more likely uh, a young girl hitting puberty, particularly girls. You know, they get their period. At that point, they're told they're evil, something wrong with them. There's going through all these bodily emotional changes. Like, you literally watch as she grows up almost over, literally overnight. And she literally has this evil in her that she has no idea how to control and what to do. And she has all these people looking at her as if she's, um, as you see some kind of evil thing. And she has to grow up overnight. It's like, you see all of, every single one of these characters has these things that they're they're working through in addition to their ridiculous power set right and right. it's just an interest it makes it makes reading going through these things so gripping i think that's the thing that got me like these are early 80s issues that right right here just going from 1 to 34 i think 34 is when magneto takes over as headmaster just that and, and, yeah. and just right there like it is it's still a gripping story. Like at no point they did I feel like so much in thirty-four issues. Oh my oh boy, they put these kids to the ringer. Thirty-four issues, you know. And I think that's the thing that that gets me about these characters is just how much that you can relate to everything they're going through. Like they have real conversations. They have real struggles. I mean, there's times when they're going like, "Well, we're not the X Men. We shouldn't be doing all this." But they and they're also- right, by the way. <laughs> Well, and the problem usually like, comes down. Yeah, absolutely right. Go ahead. No, because like then you remember because it, it, what it does is it reframes what we read in the original X Men story. Like these are kids. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. 
And and what they've done is, and again, it it, it takes those those original issues and original stories of again, it puts you in new and put you in new light, them in new light, kind of looking at them going. Oh, Charles Xavier really was kind of running a fucking military camp here with these uh, these early old X Men, and it's completely different with the the new mutants, right? It's like there's times when he's like, "I don't want you guys to be out there and doing this. I don't want you guys getting involved with this." Or there's just times when they completely take Charles Xavier or the X Men completely off board. Like if you went back and listened to our X Men um, Part Two uh, 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 episode, with, with Claremont Part Two episode, you know there are several times when the X Men are either considered dead. Or have been off world, or there's plenty of these times. And when you read New Mutants, you start seeing it's like, oh yeah, like there's that one moment when um, uh, and again we'll, we'll go through a more chronological order, I promise you folks. But there's when um, uh, Emma Frost kidnaps uh, Kitty Pride, and right. the New Mutants are like, well, we'll go call somebody else. Let's, let's call the X Men. Uh, they're gone. Uh, go call the Fantastic Four. Uh, they're gone too. Well, go call the Avengers. Oh, they're well, gone too as well. And you find well, out the very beginning of the story is the first story we get told really is a brood story. Yeah, it's the it's during the brood war. So the X Men are are off world. Right. You know, um, back when the other when the, when 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 when, when uh, Kitty Pryde is kidnapped, what you find out is that happened during Secret Wars. So that's why everybody's gone. <laughs> like there's literally nobody else but them. So you get this opportunity. So you're you're now framing the story of not that you have. Uh, Charles Xavier pretending to run a school while he's actually running a paramilitary operation. What you have here actually is a man who really is trying to help these kids learn how to control their powers, put them in school, but oh, by the way, things are happening where he doesn't want them to go out there, but there literally is nobody else. Like somebody has kidnapped one of their own, and the kids are like, we gotta go stop. We gotta go go help our own because nobody else is gonna help us ourselves. And so it's a really interesting way to tell this story, and I can only imagine in the 80s when you're reading this as a, as a teenager, you're, you're looking at yourself, and again, it, it, it's something we talked about when um, we talked about with uh, you, you know, pe- kids reading the early, in the, uh, we, I think we did it during the, the Silver Age, about a golden age, about kids wanting to be the hero themselves. It's like why um, uh, uh, Suzanne, Captain Marvel, was such a um, connecting character. It's like, kids got to be the hero, right? Here, same way, right? The kids don't have to depend on the adults. And as a matter of fact, there's plenty of times we're going like the the adults are 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 going to ignore us and aren't going to do give us the help we need. So we're going to go do it ourselves. And that can connect to kids as we're reading the story, saying, "Yeah, you're right. We can. I, we don't need adults. We can. We can save. We can save ourselves." So it's very, very, yeah, very. So, um, do you want to start jumping right into this? Kind of already did. The new mutants go to the mall. <laughs> it's something so simple, um, but and you're right. It, this is the the um, X Men animated series. It, oh, for sure, it, it is what it is. Because again, it runs parallel to the stuff that we the story. What I love about this stuff is it runs parallel to the stuff we just read. So you have Project Wide Awake. You have um, Sebastian Shaw and the Hellfire Club working. Um, working this long game to, uh, and you find out from, from you know, the, way, the way they're working it, it's like, we view mutants as commodities and we want to be on the right side. Right. You know, which is, which is actually a, a very interesting point when you read 
Emma's kind of saying this. And she says, not in this this first issue, but later on when she actually kidnaps Kitty Pride. She basically says this, like, you know, we view the, the mutants as commodities, and that's a changing power in the world. So we have the Hellfire Club of people of very rich means and money. If we can control the mutants, then we can control the world. Um, <laughs> which is an interesting thing when you come down to the different philosophies we see when we're dealing with the X-Men, right? You have Xavier with the peaceful coexistence. You have Apocalypse with the survival of the fittest. Magneto, the, the next evolution of man, the rightful heir of the species. But then you get Emma Frost and the Hellfire Club going, Means will never be accepted, so it's best to exploit it when we can for personal gain. So you basically have the Hellfire Club in going, yeah, we're capitalists, period. Yeah, here to get paid, baby. <laughs> we're here. We're going to get paid for it. So, um, But yeah, so uh, Rain and, and, and Sean are the, the, the first two uh, of the New Mutants. Again, the New Mutants, the official first appearance of the New Mutants together, I think, was a Marvel graphic novel. Of the New Mutants in 1982, um, you do get uh, you you do get them a little bit. You get you get Karma a little bit earlier than that. I want to say there was one more. Maybe it was was it Rain? No, it wasn't Rain. Rain was in that one too, but Karma was before. So you get them all joining uh, with Xavier, and um, he brings them all together. And basically, it's the starting of the X Men again because the X Men are gone. They're in on the and, and this is a book that was launched because. At the time, the editor in chief, I believe it was Jim, it was Jim Shooter, was like, "Look, uh, I want a spinoff." And Shooter said, "If you don't come up with a new mutant book, someone else will." And that's where the modification of the original name of X Men became New Mutants or The Mutants. And I thought it was, I, it's one of those things that, like, was it for better? or Was it worse? Like, did, would we have seen some of the ideas in X Men? Or did Shooter pushing Claremont in this way really create a situation where he had to think outside the box? Because we're going to go through this. A lot of these stories you're going to hear aren't typical X-Men fare. Like, I always joke that Astonishing is the big five X-Men stories. Mm-hmm. Cure, Alien Invasion, Enemy Within, Sentinels. There's one more. But that's kind of like the, 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 the big stories you tell with X-Men. Those aren't the stories you're getting told here. No, they, these stories go darker. They're going more sorcery and magic, and and it's things that were. So I, I tend to, I, I tend to. You're right. Maybe at some point we would have gotten these in the X Men stories, but I think that having a different vehicle to tell them and tell them from a different side, too, because now when you when you again when if you go and listen to our X Men character corner or you read those those X Men issues, then you go back and read the New Mutant stuff. You're like, oh. They they work hand in hand together, but they're not. They complement each other, right? You can like the new mutants go off and they're doing their own thing, and you're like, oh, that's where. Because every now and then, when you're reading the X Men issue, the new mutants just pop up. Like there's again, when we get towards the end of this, and they just pop up from Asgard. I think during the trial of Magneto, you're like, where the fuck did? The, what do you mean the new mutants were in Asgard? What the fuck happened there? And you read it like. Oh, that was kind of like a one-off contained story that didn't involve anybody else, but has bigger bigger consequences. But oh, that makes sense. So, um, but yeah, here you have uh, the X Men dealing with something that we again we uh, the, the new Mutants dealing with something we saw in the X Men, which is Sentinels and Project Wide Awake, and and having right. to step up because again, the X Men are gone. You know, Brood Wars is happening right, right now. Um, so, and and it's also funny that. 
again, it's it's so weird because Claremont wrote this book, but you can tell that it just allowed him to tell more of the story he was telling before. Because there's, an, mm-hmm. there, there's later on in here, uh, Rachel shows up. You know, yeah. The, the, Rachel shows up. As a matter of fact, during the during the beginning of the Demon Bear saga, like Rachel shows up for a, a quick hot second, but you don't get more of that story until you go back to the X Men. So it's like you have to read to get the full story to read everything. Um, and that's what it seems like Claremont was doing here, where he was telling a full story, but he got the new music allowed him to kind of fill in more gaps that we might we might not have otherwise got. So, um, so yeah, early on in the first. Uh, five uh, five issues of six issues. The New Mutants take on Sentinel. They take on Silver Samurai, Viper. Um, but that ends up in the apparent death of Karma, who was right. at that time was the oldest. She was nineteen. Um, and and Karma has the had the power to literally possess people. Um, and has you know had a pretty fucking rough background too. When you think of. Yeah, man, she's like she had to kill her brother. Like her, it's a whole thing. And so, I thought it was interesting killing her this early because mm-hmm. it kind of echoed what happened with Thunderbird. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, she was kind of she was the leader. She was in charge. She was the oldest, right? And now it's kind of like I know we traditionally think of Sam as the leader, but Sam's. 16 at this point. Mm-hmm. It's truly kids leading kids now. Yeah, it's Sam and, 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 Sam and, Dan, uh, and, and Danielle uh, Musar end up co- being co-leader. But each of them mm-hmm. with their own, their own um, hang-ups. And like you said, it's kids leading kids at this point. And so it's really difficult. And they, they have their own insecurities. Like, Sam continually, again, we brought this up, is he can't bank worth a damn, and so he has his, you know, Sam has his power. <laughs> you know, he, really, he really, it's just so fucking hilarious. He can, you know, anybody who doesn't know Cannibal can generate the uh, energy from his legs and propel himself through the air, and he's invulnerable, but, like, it leads to this whole lot of stuff of people just step out of the way, and he can't change direction, and he just barrels through it. Is why you call him a cannonball, right? Like, cannonballs right. don't change direction when you fire them. They go one direction. And that's it. And that's what Sam does. Um, and so he's always worried about, you know, trying to change direction and being this blood object. Um, um, Moonstar, uh, Mirage, or Psyche, the way you want to call her, has an issue of she will... It, it's not... It's, it's a funny thing because, like you said, when we're trying to mirror some of the power sets and the, the, the personalities of the original X-Men, between Karma and, and, and Mirage, you, you have two characters that can literally violate you just like a, a, a telepath can, right? Can violate right. your mind. Like, karma could literally possess your body to, so that you would have, like, you would no longer exist. Like, you would no longer, you would not know what happened. If she possessed your body and walked you across town, when she unpossessed your body, you'd have no idea what happened in that, that time. How'd I get here? How'd I get here? And then, you know, Danny can literally pull your deepest, darkest fears for your mind. And, and she doesn't have control of her powers. She's doing it by accident. So, you know, if she uh, gets scared and she, uh, you know, with an instinct, can pull the image of men with pitchforks coming after rain. And it feels like such a violation to have. And now everybody can see that, too. So now everybody knows what your fear is. You know? And so it's, it's, a, 
you have these two characters now can literally violate your, your personal space, which kind of mimics the idea of a telepath and, you know, with Jean Grey and things like that. So it's in, in, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just, it's so well done. It, it really, it really it's is. so well done. Really. Stevie Hunter is here who helps, helps teaching the kids along with Xavier and Moira. Um, like I said, after Sean dies, and again, so they're not even sure that, she, and, and to be fair, it was a no body, no death type of thing where, Very where you kind of, like, Sean just disappears after, after um, I think Viper blows up, their, uh, blows up her headquarters and her and Silver Samurai escape and the kids almost die. All of them escape, but nobody can find Sean. And so Xavier says, you know, that she's dead and they need to move on. But a lot of the new mutants are like, no, we still got to look for her. She's still around somewhere. And you just kind of forget. Because there's so many other things that are, that are happening and go on with them. And you, you go through all this stuff and you're just like, I just, I don't have time for this. I, like, we, we, you kind of forget about it until it comes back up. You know, a little bit wrong, so. um, and then you, bring, you start bringing in, let's see, when, when do we have? Magma? Yeah, we got, we got Magma next. But I'm trying to figure out. Magnus in issue eight, mm-hmm. which is crazy. So here's where things get weird, and not get weird because they've already been weird. Here's where they get weirder because they find an ancient society of Romans <laughs> living in the Brazilian Amazon. <laughs> Come on, that's fucking weird. But it. But it worked. They called Jim Shooter Emperor in the credits of Issue 9. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's amazing. Because, like, this is like... So, they always try to liken Doom Patrol to X-Men. Like, when you try to do the analogs of DC to Marvel, like, no, Doom Patrol is never as big as X-Men. X-Men's basically the Titans. The Doom Patrol is clearer than he mutants. Hmm, absolutely. And I think we said that when we did our Doom Patrol episode. Yeah, clearly. Clearly. Because you, you, these are weird fucking stories. It's, it's such a weird story because it comes out of nowhere. You're like, wait, why are we in? Why are we down here? Are we? It's ancient Rome? Like, what the fuck happened? Yeah, it's the weirdest shit in the world. But it works because it's like a long way to, to, to introduce this new mutant. Mm-hmm. Um, so we start, and this is where we start adding um, to, the, to the team. I'm trying to see. I'm trying to see when the magic series actually came out. So, so X, Uncanny X-Men 160 is 1982. August of 1982. Um, hold on real quick. Oh, I'm trying to live, live, live podcast. Guys. Try to find answers. To magic. Stuff. Right. The magic, the magic is happening. So that is August of 1982. Yeah. So at this point, we have already, because... The, but at this point, um, we've already had the, the X-Men, uh, Uncanny X-Men um, 160, right? With um, Ileana going, yeah, because New Mutants is 1983. So you've already had right. this, 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 this point. So after the Magnificent, so because so, the time is kind of weird and when they actually... No, she, remember, remember she's, she's, she's with uh, Moira at the beginning of the book when they find out about David. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, so she's with. She's singing that song on the on the um, yes. balcony, thinking about her friend, a kitty who's gone. 
Yeah. Um, because they also establish the fact that Kitty and, and her best friends and all this other stuff, right? right. So, um, so around this time, there's also this, this magic series they bring in the Storm and Ileana uh, magic series. There's a four issue mini that kind of explains that. How how long was she in between? Was it like seven seconds or something like that? It's it, uh, Peter's finger slipped for seven seconds. You're right, and then I think it was like eight years had passed. Yeah, it's like seven or eight years. And this series kind of explains what happens. Where and including her murder of the X Men repeatedly. <laughs> I told you she's the evil, right? Just... Mikael is the evil Rasputin. <sighs> Valid. Okay. Okay. You're right. Thank you. All right. All right. All right. Um, but I think this this series is important because it gives you the whole background on what happened during the seven seconds and why she reappears seven years older at 14. Um, and in that series, you see that um, the demon uh, Belesco, he has basically, you know, killed all the other X-Men. Uh, Storm doesn't have her powers, but is now a sorceress. And Kitty was literally turned into a cat. <laughs> um, and this four issue mini kind of shows you how... Uh, this young girl learns to survive, goes from this young girl to learn to survive in this, what it was for her was seven years, um, and becomes a sorceress. And it also brings in about what her, her mutant power is. Her mutant power to... Which is so interesting because you forget that her actual mutant power isn't the sorcery. Yeah, it's the teleport. Right. You know... Stepping disc. The stepping disc, yeah. That also just happened to pass through limbo, which becomes a, a huge... I'm sorry, and the stepping disc that the path through limbo, um, but it also can also be space, not just space, but also time, because that becomes an issue as well when she starts almost time traveling as she steps through these discs sometimes. So, um, again, so I won't call her the evil; I'll call her the scary recipe. Does that is that better? She is way scarier than the rest of them. Yeah, that's very fair. Yeah, she's very scary, but I think it's also very scary because so. And, and again, this is part of that reading these other things kind of inform your story. You don't need to read that magic series, but that magic series really informs who this character is when she comes back. Mm-hmm. And that you start getting this, when she starts, when she starts like formally joining the rest of the new mutants, she is hiding a huge portion of herself. She has side blocks. So um, Charles Xavier can't read her mind. Which is probably for the She's got a lifetime of, you know, not great stuff in there. Right. I, I'm not saying, yeah, it, it's not great stuff. She, you're right. She's not helping her, her, her reputation right. as the scary one. You're right. Well, it's because she's scared of what she is, and she doesn't, want, she doesn't want anybody to think differently of her, even though this is who she is now. So she, she hides this portion of, and there's also this whole thing when she's in that miniseries, which is her kind of understanding that, there's a part of her that actually liked the demon side, right? There's a part of her that wanted to give in. There's a part of her that might have enjoyed killing the X-Men in that, in, 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 in that right. Rainbow side, right? And that's the part that she's always trying to keep at bay. And it's something that informs the character all throughout time. I mean, shit, up through uh, Matthew Rosenberg's um, X-Men, recent X-Men run. Like that oh, for part, sure. That part, it, it's always going to be something there. Um, and... There's always parts where somebody's trying to pull that demon dark side out of Everyone's her. Everyone's curious about the demon until they find the demon. Yeah, you don't want the demon. 
don't really. You think you do? You're wrong. Absolutely, do not want. Not good thing at all. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You don't want that dark side of her. And she's always human, so you can also um. She also has a soul sword, uh, that is also part of her sorcery. So she's a she's dual wielding, right? She has sorcery, and she also has this mutant power, and she also has part. She's also basically part team. So it's she's scary. <laughs> very, scary. very scary. Oh, and she also has an armor. You know, yo. So she has an armor. Eliana shows up with an armor and then a sword. You're in for some shit. Yeah, it's yeah, it's you know her soul sword destroys magic, energy, contracts, and creatures. Um, and it's um, it it it. You don't want yeah, you don't want them problems. Just gonna say it right there. You, you don't. You don't want them problems. You don't want them problems. So, um, she's definitely the scary one, but because that uh, she's still trying to learn, you know, she's still trying to learn how to use these powers, and she also she does because and she doesn't want to unlike unlike the other Newmans who literally train these things with Pug Xavier and everybody else, she doesn't, and so she's basically teaching herself to go along. So at yeah, least magic showed up was like I'm good. What about I'm good? Right, right, right. Nah, you don't need you don't. I don't need no training. Practice? You talk about practice? <laughs> practice. I got a soul sword. We talking about practice? I can teleport across space and time. We talk about practice. Practice. <laughs> but she actually does need to practice because she she teleports and it'll be like, oh yeah, three weeks later. Wait, what? <laughs> How long were we in limbo when we, I thought we were just, wait, why are we, yeah, it's, it's a funny thing. It's a, it's a funny, funny thing. Um, uh, so anyway, back to there, because again, she starts joining, she joins the team along with Magma. Um, there's also an interesting thing when Kitty comes back, right? Because I think this is also around the same time that, uh, Xavier, when, when they come, I think this is, is it after Brood War where they come back where Xavier's like, oh, we got the new mutants now. So Kitty, you're no longer an X-Men. You can join the new mutants. She's like, what? Yeah, no, it's about right then because it's then that uh, Colossus dumps her and ends up getting a bar dropped on him. Yeah. Say it again? Oh, you broke up a little bit. It's about when Colossus dumps her and gets a bar dropped on him. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's an, again, it's an interesting thing to kind of see Kitty react to people that are basically in her age group, but she's like, but y'all are kids. Y'all are the ex-baby. And everybody's like, but you. Same. Ages it's a Spider-Man game. Right. He's like, but you. She's like, the world of Spider-Man's like, I just survived space, bitches. What? I'm, I'm, yeah, I was just about to say, it's, it's, it's like, bitch, you've been to space. You've been to space. I'm not, what are we talking about right now? Um, but again, it's an interesting thing because you get this, you get the, again, it, it also in the background of all of this stuff is, you know, the relationship between her, um, Ileana and, 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 and Storm, right? It's like, they're, they're very, very close and, you you also still get a carrying over a storm, feeling very very protective of, of 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 her of her kids, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, Kitty is not um, Kitty's not happy about uh, you know being put on the same level as as these small kids. Um, but again, it's an interesting thing because that you know beforehand it was just we had one kid amongst the adults. And and having Kitty try to find her place in between both 
I think still gives you a good, interesting point of view. Because she has been, she's, she's still trying to, you know, get the respect of being a full X-Men. But even when you look at it on paper, like, yeah, she's not, she's not really, she's not really a new mutant. Because she's, she's been through way more than that, right? I think that's why Wait. she... Right, you know, she's about to be kidnapped by Emma Frost for the for a second time. She's a veteran of this shit now, you know. She's a veteran of being kidnapped. Yeah, she's a veteran of being kidnapped. She's been to space. She's she's done all this stuff. Um, and so I think that that's a, that's an interesting. Uh, also, around this time, we get the introduction of what might be the most useless mutant of all time. Okay, so we're doing this. <laughs> I knew you were going to take this dickhead stance. <laughs> Because lazy writers in the 80s couldn't make Cypher cool. That does not make him useless. In a fight, he is. No, he's not, because he can read body. They made him cool when they brought him back. I'm not doing this with you. Okay. All right. All right. We know what. You read some of the later appearances of Doug Ramsey when he comes cool as shit. Okay. When we get to that point, we can talk about it. But right now? No, we're, we're, we're like 30 years away. Right. <laughs> Just saying. Like. I'll be really real. He sucks for like thirty years. <laughs> well, it's so funny, right? Because so uh, another another uh, writer we talked about, Louise Simonson. She's the one that takes over um, after. Uh, and I, I don't think we've gotten to that. We haven't gotten to. This, we're not getting to those issues here. Yeah. But um, she takes over Claremont afterwards. But even she was like when she in uh, uh, us killing off uh, Cipher is a little bit ways away too. When they, she, they kill him off, she was kind of like, yeah, kind of hate riding him because. He was really useless in a fight. Like we, everybody hated drawing no, him. Everybody hated doing it. They're like the artists are like, can we just kill this guy? He's always hiding behind a fucking tree. Right. right. Well, I, I love when we get to Warlock. At one point, when we're, uh, I think when they're uh, fighting in Asgard, Warlock just basically forms himself into like a mech so that Cipher has something to fucking do. <laughs> You're so mean. This is so rude. But that is what Doug happens. Ramsey. Doug Ramsey can read body language. So we can fight better than you. Like they, when, they, when they brought Doug back, they made him Tim Drake. Well, I mean, and you have to, right? You have to do that because the way he is right now, it's like, wait, he has powers? It, it was, it well, was they so made weird. him creepy where he's like, I can tell by the inflection of your voice he's 87% chance that you're lying. They made him creepy, which was awesome. Yo, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. But like, And then obviously with the internet, they made him a junkie for the internet, I think in one of those Daredevil minis mm. where they find him living in the woods just... Main, pretty much mainlining high speed. <laughs> of course, it's a Daredevil book. That's, that's like, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's Daredevil. It's, if somebody, if somebody's not mainlining something, it ain't a Daredevil book. So, I mean, you got to be, a, you got to have at least one junkie in a, in a Daredevil book. Um, but it's so funny when we later find out when when uh, sh- uh the Shadow King is hanging over um, a Karma, and that's how she gets brought back. There's that one point where the uh, he's jumping between the different bodies. And they're trying to figure out which one of them he's jumped into, and Ileana, fig- uh, Ileana fig- figured out it's um, is is Doug. She's like, yeah, we knew he would go to the weakest one who has no <laughs> no purpose and no powers. We're just like, ouch, like that's yo, he can hear you. <laughs> I'm like that, that's mean. That's just mean. That's all it is. It's mean. <laughs> but it's like it's, it's what everybody was thinking. So um, it's not wrong. It's just mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very mean. Um, he and, takes out the entire New Mutants team later on by himself because he can read their attacks. Like, fuck this. We're, we're not. Doug Ramsey for life. We're not there. We're not there yet. So. No, we're, we're not. Very fair. You just I mean, right now, his name is Cypher, and it's just like, mm, we haven't earned that. Right now, his name is Doug, and he's a cute boy that Kitty thought that she liked. 
Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Without getting into like the clearly, she was supposed to be like uh, pseudo dating Ileana the entire time. I mean, yeah, because they weren't really really. That would have been weird. I mean, it, it comes up repeatedly in later X books. Yeah, yeah. So, um, in issue sixteen, we get uh, again. This is when uh, Kitty Pride had been kidnapped. I think a couple issues before by Emma Frost and. Again, we cover a little pieces of this on the flip side in the X Men books, mm-hmm. but this isn't significant. It, it introduces the Hellions, um, which are um, what? Just the first of Emma's many bad ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just you know, I'm gonna make my own basically new mutants. <laughs> uh. So, Catsaw, Empath, Jetstream, Roulette, Terra, and Thunderbird, which is John Prowlstar's brother James which if you again go back to our first set of Claremont issues we've now come back full circle where now we get another example of Claremont seeding something because remember in those issues remember when uh, John's body disappears and we find out that it's James and James is promising to get revenge for his brother he's hooked up with Emma Frost and has joined the hell um, yeah it, it really is like the not new mutants though outside of that because you got well, actually, even, <laughs> even then, because even like Thunderbird, Kroger, the, the Walmart brand new mutants. It really is. Cause you got Thunderbird, who is also Native American, like Danny. You have Jetstream, who is literally just a uh, a cannonball with a slightly better ability to, to turn corners, only slightly. Empath, slightly. who can who can make people uh, feel love nothing but feel a certain emotion uh, that he whatever emotion he wants to, which is you know similar to what. Danny was doing with her powers, and even Karma was doing with theirs, basically controlling people's minds. Cat's Eye, who I, I can't remember what exactly her power, but again, she has a, a I guess she has a, a, a feline form as her base form, and then it's, she can turn it's, to him. Yeah, it's it's like the reversal rain. Hmm? Yeah. Right. Yeah, she's the reversal rain, where rain actually is human. You turn into a, 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 a werewolf. This is like an actual giant cat that can, it, it's very, very weird. And then you got the ones that you got roulette who just gives people bad luck, which I'm like, hmm, so you're domino. So, um, and then Tara, what I just, 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 that's just all terrible. Like, we, at that point, we just ran out of ideas. It's, she's got cards. Yeah. But they don't explode. It's a thing. So, not even. Gambit, <laughs> so. She's proto gambit. Yeah, proto gambit. It's like, hey, what if, what if we had, what if we had cards and, they explode. No, that's too violent. What if they, we like just pulled monsters out of tarot cards? Sounds cool. okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this is the first, uh, the first set of Hellions, and um, yeah, it's it's Emma's not great ideas, but it's also the 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 point where we get Emma talking about um why she's doing. Because again, it's just like I always love her conversations with Kitty because Kitty's always basically asking her. Why the fuck are you so evil? <laughs> why are you the way that you are? Yeah, why are you so evil? And it just doesn't make any sense. So, you, so here we go. He's like, <clears throat> you see, Catherine, the goal of the Hellfire Club's inner circle is power. Sebastian Shaw and I wish to rule the world. Mutants are a means to that end. Whether we like it or not, said Skitty. There are too many super beings, mutants, and otherwise people who have begun to realize their value. The, per, uh, the person, group, corporation, country that possesses them has an incalculable advantage over those that don't. We used to be hated, now we are desired. For the same reason, because we are different from hum- humanity, uh, and for the same reason, because we're different from humanity. We have abilities, homo sapiens uh, does not. 
Um, they, they still fear us. That will never change. But now they wish to use us, and they'll do whatever means. Uh, do, they'll do whatever they must to persuade us to obey. Like you threatening my parents, get used to a child. I won't be the last. You must decide whether you wish to be a ruler or a slave. All I want to do, all I want is to be left alone, to live my life in peace. Is that too much to ask? You lost that option the moment you were born. If you wish to truly be, if you wish true freedom, Catherine, end your life. The grave is a mutant's only last sanctuary. If you will not join the Hellfire Club willingly, you will be forced. To, the choice, as always, is yours. And Emma is an evil person. And this is why. Another, just as another notch onto why Kitty Pride hates Emma Frost. Um, but there is, I mean, there are some, some small truths. This is not me doing villain agenda, so don't start over. There are some small truths to what okay. Emma says. I mean, no, but there are, right? Like, you know, at this point, when you look at the full totality of what we've seen with the X-Men, you're right. Like, there is no freedom for, for mutants. You know? Like, you have to... At some point, mutants... The, the idea of mutants being, being left alone is never on the table, right? No matter whatever side you fall into and all those different people's opinions, being just left on the side and be like, I just want to be a normal, a normal person and not deal with any of that stuff, it's not an option. It's like it's like saying I just want I'm I'm a black person, but I just want to be I just I don't want to I don't want that to cause an issue. I just want to keep my head down and go about my business. Like that's fine, but other people that might be what you want, but people outside of you are gonna make the decision for you. So you need to at some point exactly yeah they're not gonna let you. So and that's what I mean by saying that Emma has some has some good points. She's wrong in how she does it and evil in the way she's doing it because again it's for herself because that's what Emma does. Always, because um, that's how Emma works. Emma works. He's evil. Don't forget that. But it's true. It's it's this idea of trying to be left alone and just be yourself and and not having yeah that that choice was made for you long time. When the moment you were born, you're put into the fight. So now you got to figure out what side you want to be on. So, um, shortly after this begins, the Demon Bear Saga, which lasts, what's that about four issues? Yes, three issues. Um, where Danny Mustard's um, Danny takes over the art, and it's fantastic. It is it is fantastic? Uh. Um, it's a true. This is true horror, and it's something that's been building up the entire time. It's something that you've been seeing Danny struggle with this uh, you know, this idea of this demon bear and this the bear that killed her parents and and this idea and um, yeah, it's it's. It's kind of fucking brutal. You know? Yeah. So. Kind of brutal. Yeah. It is. It's literally the thing that's haunted her since we started this. Mm-hmm. And all this stuff happens to kind of distract you from all the other stories. But this becomes a fucking problem. Yeah. And Sinkiewicz, if you're not familiar with Bill Sinkiewicz, if you've seen Into the Spider-Verse, that's his kingpin. Mm-hmm. He drew an Electro miniseries. That's how he drew the kingpin. This big black boy with a floating head. And it's just so expressive. And he's taking mutants and doing that here. And also, like, Demon Bear is the first time, really, they go full mystical. Mm-hmm. Like, Ileana's, like, demonic. Yeah, this is full, like, we're going someplace that X-Men haven't really gone. At the same time, we're getting the incoming thing with... Uh, the beginning of hearing about what am I? I'm, I'm the phalanx coming down to Earth too. Yeah, 
Yeah. So like it's that same here's 17 plots at once, Chris Claremont of it all, but now he's doing it in a weird way. It's almost like when we talked about how crazy um Fabian Nikita was able to get on Red Robin because no one was paying attention because it was a subsidiary bat book. That's kind of how New Mutants was for X-Men. It was a subsidiary X book. I'm so glad you brought that up because <clears throat> as you go through this stuff, and it's so hard sometimes to cover, it's really actually sometimes hard to cover everything that's happening in these New Mutant books because, like, there will be, like, 10 different storylines going on at once. Like you said, I completely forgot around this time, we still, yeah, you're right, we, we, get, we get Warlock. We get these images of Warlock coming down to Earth and being chased. We get, um, uh, uh, we're dealing with the Demon Bear stuff. We get, again, in the, in the early on the Demon Bear, you'll kind of be thrown off because Rachel, uh, Rachel Summers shows up at the door. And you see, you actually get this flashback of Rachel Summers being shot at with, with Charles Xavier. And then she shows up at the, at the house, and you're like, who the fuck, who the fuck was that? And she just goes away. And, it, and that thread never comes, I don't think that thread ever comes back in the New Means book. You pick that back up in, in, in the X-Men books. And so right. this is where, like, when you're reading this whole thing, you get the whole full story of what's happening here. But Claremont, because he's writing all these things, can see them in the different books and, and take them from there and go from there. Um, but, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I completely forgot that the, this also happens with um, uh, Warlock coming down around this time as well. Um, right. And it's, um, it's a lot. And uh, Danny almost dies. Yeah. And, um, yeah, they eventually, at some point, they, and this is also where more and more of them become aware of uh, they have a little demon in themselves. <laughs> they have a little, they have a little <laughs> demon that's working with them. <laughs> and um, you, you have this where Liana herself is kind of like, she's having, she's learning more about her power. This is when she starts, at, uh, at certain points, getting her armor, that, that, that mm-hmm. armor that forms around her, uh, forming up and things like that. It's like, she's learning how to use her power at the same time of going through this. But also figuring out that she's jumping through. I think at this point she also um, takes over Limbo and becomes a ruler of Limbo. Yeah, dude, you got to do some. I mean, like I said, there's, there's all this stuff is happening in, in this book. Meanwhile, Danny's literally fighting for her life on the operating table. <laughs> and Ileana's putting up spells to like keep the bear. Like it goes full weird real fast, which plays in the scene. Which is strange. Like it's one of those things where I'm like. Oh, this is the perfect idea. The perfect marriage. And again, we're not disparaging the art pre-18. I'm just saying the marriage of writer, subject matter, and artist hit its stride once Bill's on board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's fantastic. And, it, and, it, and it, what, what gets me about it, too, is how everything just kind of flows in the next. So you're going through this, and you're dealing with this, and you're getting... Danny confronting her fears and at least her fears end up leading and, and the, her conquering this fear and conquering um, the demon bear leads to the return of her parents mm-hmm. because her parents have been consumed yeah. by the demon bear, you know. And and so that also coincides with her once she's conquered this fear, her going for and they don't they don't really call it out I don't think, but you see it in the way she uses her powers going forward from here. Her powers are way more under control, and she can do way better things with her powers after this point. You're talking about Danny? Yeah. But she changes her name. Yeah. Sykes gone. This is Mirage now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, as soon as this ends, Doug and Warlock join the team, and we get out, and now we've got other problems. Huh. Use a condom, kids. 
Use a con. Use con. I'm just saying. Uh, who 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 gets introduced next? Celine. Oh, technically, there's that. Yeah. I thought we were going all the way to Dave. All right, let's talk about David. God damn it. <laughs> so I haven't watched the show yet. Me either, but I've heard I've it really good. I've how good this show is. Have you been told how good this show yeah, is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and here's the thing. I've watched The Gifted, so we watched The Gifted, so made by, I think, um, same, 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 same showrunner. So I fully believe that it's good. And it does, it does justice mm-hmm. to this character because um, this character's insane. We're talking about David Hallier. Um, and, like, comically Jim. powerful. You said what now? And, like, comically powerful. Yeah. Ridiculous power. Um, telepathy, uh, telekinesis, and what else? There's a third one, I believe. Because it actually forms split into three personalities? different... personalities? It wasn't the split personality. That, um... I, I had it. It was... Yeah, because he has three, because they split into three different personalities. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Hold on. I know what it is. It's, um, like... Pirate. But I like it because it, it pays off something even in the first issue of the whole run. Mm-hmm. It's when Moira finds out that uh, that Charles is a son. Yeah. She meets Gabrielle Hauer, I think, in the first issue of this run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She gets the secret about Charles having a kid, and then it's kind of, it's one of those, it's a Claremont thing. Because the first real appearance of him is New Mutants 25. Mm-hmm. It just sits there. Yeah. It just sits there. And then, then all of a sudden they show back up because it gets to a point where his, they can no longer control his power. Because at the, you also find out that Moyer's still been helping out because uh, during the Demon Bear saga, uh, like, uh, there was a cop and, and a nurse and they, um, they get turned into Native Americans. <laughs> so weird. It's a weird little side thing that happens. They get turned into Native Americans they get sent to Mirror Island to be with, with um, uh, uh, Moira, and um, they bring in Charles Xavier because like they they now need help with with David, you know, um, telepathy, telepathy, telekinesis, um, and pyrokinesis. Pyrokinesis. There we go. I knew there was another one. Uh, at least, and the and, and we know as we that's go along. That's how it starts. Exactly. I'm about to say that. That's how it starts here. It's contained here, um, and they. They show that he's very, very powerful to the point of almost running circles around, not even almost, running circles around Charles Xavier. Mm-hmm. Like, his telepathy is off the scale at this point. Um, and gives Charles real fucking problems. Um, and, and that becomes, because Charles doesn't know that David's his son, and you kind of go through this realization as we go through this, and like the new mutants are not happy when they find out. I was like, "Wait, you guys didn't? You probably should have told us that information before we got started, because that would have probably helped yeah. a little bit." Super helpful. Yeah, necessary information when you're dealing with with uh, they call them. This is the other thing too. It's the '80s. They call them autistic, which I don't think autistic means batshit no. insane. So, what and that's uh, what the problem is with it. So it's very much the '80s. <clears throat> exactly. Had to pull out the fact that it is the '80s, and we go from there. So, um. 
Yeah, so they're able to kind of... So, that's my thing, because he doesn't technically join the New Mutants, but he's there all the time. It's like, the honestly, I like it until when those issues when uh, the X-Men had uh, Sabretooth tied up in the basement. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. He's a little uneasy at all times. Right. <laughs> he doesn't get a costume. Nah, he don't get a... a, a yeah, he's not wearing the black and yellow. Right. You know, you don't get the black and yellow. You, you're not going to do that. Um, so uh, we do have Charles, uh, uh, with the help of the New Mutants, kind of stopping David Legion for now. And it's like they enter into his personality. He has three, three. Yeah, he has three split personalities that each represent each one of his powers at that point. Again, this is early on in the, the creation of this character, so. He only is limited to the three powers. But we do know that later on he gets much greater power set. He gets scarier. He gets way scarier. But what they did, each of the, each of the, each of the, the um, personalities inside of his mind held one piece of the actual power set. And they're ba- it's basically, they basically go into David's mind uh, to, 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 to try to figure out, uh, you know, what dominant personality is going to be there. And, um, they don't really succeed. The idea was to try to save the same piece, but all three pieces stay there, so he kind of stays crazy. So it, it kind of just, he kind of just put the pin back in the grenade for a little bit. <laughs> Very, but, for lack of a better term, because right. he is truly a time Yeah, and 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 that's basically it for there. So, um, and we know again, this is one of those things where it comes in, and you're like, that's going to be a bigger issue later on. Um, and then from there, we kind of go into what we kind of started off talking about at the beginning, which is there's this whole thing where some of the members get kidnapped. Well, you know, one of the pieces we did miss uh, throughout here is there's a, there's a significant piece in here early on, I think even before the Demon Bear Saga, where we're dealing with Cloak and Dagger and Bobby and Rain. Oh, yeah, and Rain's a little uh, fairy tale story and everything. Right. Her fairy tale story, and also when Bobby and Rain get injected with the same drugs that that gave Cloak and Dagger their powers and it kind of mutates them. There's a whole ongoing thing there with, 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 with that as well. And them dealing with that. And it's, um, seeing Cloak and Dagger. Cause at one point they were trying to get Cloak and Dagger to be a part of the team. Um, but Cloak and Dagger are just, I never want to do a character corner because they're just very depressing. Every time I see them, they're very, very depressed. There's a reason why I don't watch the show. They're not mutants. They're mutates. There's something else. They're just time. they're just very depressing. That's I I just I'm yeah. This is why I don't watch the show because I'm like the show can't. I don't, and it's not saying quality of the show. I'm just saying it can't end well. <laughs> See, and the other thing that gets me though is the fact that it's gonna cross over with Runaways next season. So now I have to watch it. Yeah, yeah. So there you guys have it. Um. And uh, so the, I want to say that, like the last six or seven issues is us dealing with what we did before, which is the slow reveal that Karma is still actually alive and has been taken over by the Shadow King. Yes. Which then also ties back into an earlier issue we dealt with in the Claremont episode where, uh, uh, when we were talking about how he confronted that he had this battle with the Shadow King and, and won. And we see that he didn't kill the Shadow King. The Shadow King just went into his astral plane and to exact his revenge on Charles Xavier, he's taken over one of the new movies. 
and trying to eventually slow roll his way back and pretty good plan. Pretty yeah, good not bad. Plan. And also to 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 eventually get control of Storm and have her be the one that kills Xavier because again that's all tied together because again coming full circle all how all that all of them are related. Um, we'll get more into that a little bit later, Reach, because this is also around the time that Storm has lost her powers and we have not gotten to that piece in the Claremont X. Uh, uh, <laughs> which is literally coming up right after we start, you know. Um, the other little backstory that's happening throughout this entire, entire time is, again, just seeing how the stories expand, we also get more information on the time of uh, Magneto with Lee Ford. Right. That happens in the background, which also then kind of informs us and leads us, leads us to the point of getting to the trial of Magneto because, you know, how do you get from the point of Magneto being this terrorist and now being, you know, this person who's on trial and having people actually defend him. And you're like, oh, well, Magneto kind of sort of became a good guy. He's the one that rallies um, the troops when uh, Xavier says, hey, the Beyonder's on Earth and Secret Wars 2 starts. Right. You know, and, and so you get this backstory there with Magneto kind of learning to let his guard down around a human because he falls in love with Lee Forrest. And that kind of softens Magneto's stance on a lot of things, which then kind of leads you into, and we're kind of, this is where we kind of end, which is, you know, Xavier making, asking um, Magneto to be the headmaster of the school, which means he's also now headmaster of the new year. <laughs> Which, by the way, I think he's there until like seventy something. He's the longest running headmaster in the history of the Nevins. Yeah, it's crazy that this is the guy who was the like, like this is the end. It's thirty five through seventy five. He is the headmaster, and him like as as rough and tough as Charlie could be early on. Magneto in charge, even nominally reformed Magneto, wearing the worst. Costume in comic books, <laughs> history of the books. Chris, can anyone defend the giant M? No, no. Okay, I don't make sure I'm not going to get mean tweets about that. It's like, oh, right, how do how do how do we not how do we know? But how do we know of this Magneto if he doesn't have a giant M on him? I hate you. Um, <laughs> you got to remember that he walks into this place like, yes, Xavier appointed him, but the kids are like. Go, do you know you're fucking Magneto? <laughs> you're using Darth Vader. Like, and it doesn't help the fact that Magneto's kind of a hard ass. <laughs> like, it's it's so wild. Like, we'll obviously cover this next time, but like, just I run ahead, spoilers. Like, I forgot what a spectacular dickhead Magneto was. But did they die? Yes! <laughs> Oh, oh. They did. oh. <laughs> right oh um yeah man it, it's it's a really funny thing like i said we kind of rushed towards the end because i mean we're, we're really kind of we did we did an hour and 15 minutes on this i thought we would be way less we didn't this. plan on talking this we, much we about, about 30 issues about, but yeah about 30 issues of the new moons but again it, it, it goes back to what you were saying there's so much stuff that happens in here like literally, you know, there's no rest issues. Everything is so dense, and I think it also like kind of captures the kinetic energy of being a teenager, where everything's important, everything matters. Yeah, it's like 
they, like, they, I, I'd say that one thing that he captured here that he doesn't capture next one because obviously older group, he captures the what it feels like to be a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, like, and even and the first, it. When, when Bobby kisses Rain's hand, like flirting, and Rain's like, oh God, is he like it? She start, her brain starts going in overdrive. And you're like, wow, that's what a 13 year old girl would do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's especially when the shelter is Rain has been. It's, it's, Re- re- reading this now, I was very taken aback about how how well and how developed all the characters were. Yo, it it really I is. Warlock's anger at 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 Ileana at the end of the run here. Oh yeah, he like, he, 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 he he says you're like karma, like you're trying to hurt us. You're a betrayer because Sim got in his ear. Yeah, what what happens is in order to defeat. You know, Farouk, in order to defeat the Shadow King, who's controlling Karma, because remember, Karma can literally, Karma is like, like when you, when you have control of, the, of a person like Karma, whose power is really ridiculously powerful, right? She can control other people. And then with the Shadow King in her, she can control multiple people at the time. So what ends up happening is, you get this whole thing that happens after, after we, we, they kind of, quote unquote, defeat Legion, where all of a sudden, like, you get this one moment when you, you know that, um, it's, uh, uh, Emma, it's like, you know what? I'm not done fucking with Charlie Xavier. What I want to do is, I think it was Emma. It's either Emma or it's empath. I can't remember which one it is. Basically says, Hey, we want you guys to kidnap some of Charles Xavier's, um, I think it's empath. Cause it's like, he wants to kind of hurt Emma as well. We want you to kidnap some of Charles Xavier's, uh, new mutants and, 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 and put them in the gladiator pits. And you're like, okay, whatever. And then there's always this sh- little shadow king. You get this shadow figure in the back trying, who's running all this stuff, and you find out it's this extra large karma. She's now super big and super fat, and you're like, what the <laughs> fuck happened? Um, and it takes you a while, because then at some point, and again, it's like you said, it's such fast pace because at some point, you know, uh, it's, it's Bobby and it's, it's Bobby and Magma are, are the ones that were um, captured, and they're fighting these gladiator pits because they're, they're being told that um, if they don't fight, some kids that are being held hostage are going to be killed. And so they're in this... Yeah, that that's, that's fight the, um, the, the thing where Eliana shows up a week after she meant to show up. Yeah. She's looking for them. Right. And so you're going through, they're going through all this and they're just fighting because they, they feel like they have to. And all this stuff happens. And um, at one point, Storm shows up, you know, with, and she doesn't have her powers. And, and you should... Again, as us being being readers of this, you kind of figure out. It's like, oh, it's a shadow king, because she keeps dropping hints that it's somebody I know. I know it's not really who we think it is. It's somebody I fought before, and I'm like, what's going on? And then you get the reveal that it's the shadow king that has taken over Karma, and it goes down from from there. Because then you start seeing Ileana. She she's helping the shadow king, and uh, she takes Warlock down to Limbo and Sim. He's in the warlock's ear and basically he's like, yeah, you know, she killed, you know, the X-Men that were down here. Right. And she actually kind of enjoyed it. And so when she, Ileana comes back, he's, you know, warlock wants to kill her. It's like, do you, you betrayed, you betrayed the team. You, you sold them all out. You sold out storm. You sold out kitty. You sold out all these people. And, um, she has to basically convince warlock by not again, cause she can stop him. Cause she's, she's in limbo. Right. And if there's one place you don't want to fight her is in limbo. Yeah, you don't want to fight her in her, her element, right? She just says no. She turns back into like her little child form almost. And it's like, if you want to kill me, you don't want to believe me, then that's fine. 
And it's a really powerful moment because, again, Warlock, we didn't really go into Warlock so much, but, you know, he's this technical organic creature that falls to Earth and has no, not a mutant. One of the, one of the, one of the new mutants that is not actually a mutant and um, has a hard time adjusting. And, and it's this weird thing of him, the way he forms friendships with all these people, he becomes very, very connected to them. And when he feels like they've been betrayed, he's like, oh, I'm going to basically ride or die. Um, and you can turn to find out that uh, Ileana has a whole plan of how she can break all the other new mutants free from uh, Farouk, but she needs she needed to get them all under his control at one point. But even then, she's dealing with this idea of her dark side of, I'm saying I'm doing this because I have a bigger plan, but do I actually like it? Do I actually enjoy being evil? And that's an, that's an ongoing thing with her, of her literally fighting the darkness inside of her. And it's it's just there's so fucking much in these 34 issues it is ridiculous that they cover it all and they go through all of it and it sets up nicely for us going into claremont part three and no one really feels shortchanged no one feels like they're getting short shrift everyone feels like they got time to breathe and grow as characters it's a really kind of delicate balancing act that he pulls off here and i think he's able to do it because when you come into x-men and someone has you've got a favorite x-men everyone does Coming into this, he made up all these characters. He's like, oh no. And I guarantee he had the, he knew the he knew the um the developments he was gonna put these characters through, and probably like we said earlier with the Hickman stuff, the endpoints of where they'd end up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and then we didn't even cover, but you should definitely read it because it's just a fun story. Uh the new music go to our ask. Like literally after all of this shit. <laughs> they've just been they just find out that Sean is still alive they they just survived you know Bobby and, and Magma have survived being in gladiator pits and almost fighting to the death um being taken they, they get all this and then them and Storm get transported to Asgard by Loki and um again they go through some shit like especially what that? Was that, I thought it was way later for some reason it you know what it is is it it happens right before uh 35 it's like a it's a new mutant special oh okay it's a new mutant the special. big ones later on yeah the big ones later yeah. on but this is a new mutant special where they they go in there um sean becomes skinny again uh danny becomes a valkyrie um and all that kind of stuff gets thrown in there real quick it, it's it's yeah yeah it's it's a lot it's it's, it's so much stuff <laughs> it's so much stuff that happens in this it's it's ridiculous. Even there, we're kind of just in the interest of time. We skipped over a lot, but I would definitely say, again, even if you just read these first like thirty-five issues, you're gonna see it. You're gonna be like, "Holy shit, these guys went too long." Yeah, you know, so too much, too much. Um, you got anything else you want to add to this? No, that was fairly comprehensive. We did a lot of stuff for for thirty-four issues. Cause a lot with these characters. Um, yeah. we're gonna, we're gonna keep covering this a little bit. Um, we're we're not. I don't know how far we'll get into this. Cause here's the other thing too. We've covered some of this already. I, I forgot that we covered a bit of the new mutants towards our back end of this when we get into Cable. Because eventually the next headmaster, technically I guess headmaster of the new mutants yeah. is after Magneto is Cable. But then he just turns him into a paramilitary force because Rob Liefeld asshole. And, um, Louis Simonson takes over at forty. 55. Mm-hmm. So Louise Stevenson takes over. Uh, she had been the editor on the book for a while. She moved over to the book to write the book. Uh, Claremont was leaving to write Wolverine Excalibur. He was just going to be a fill-in writer for six months. 
and she ends up writing for three years. Hmm. So, what? Well, the, and then, and and I think it was uh, issue life. Liefeld takes over as penciling and co-plotting at the end of uh, 1989. That's when cables introduced. Uh, apparently, they were. This is just me reading some of the interviews around the time. Uh, Simonson said that Bob Harris, who is now the group editor for X Men, wasn't um, that the relationship. He, she, he, uh, life felt and Simonson they didn't get along. And Simonson said that uh, Bob Harris would rewrite her plots and dialogue so the characterization would not make sense. Although I wasn't being fired, I think I was being shoved out the door by both hands by with both hands by Bob Harris. Bob was only doing what I expect he had to do. Which was to make Rob Liefeld happy. If you want to get down to my real distasteful Liefeld, it starts in 1989 with issue 97. Wait, Liefeld and Fabian the last three issues. Rob Liefeld being a dick. What? Rob Liefeld pushing out a female, a beloved female creator, helped no. co-write the greatest Thor story of all time until Jason Aaron did it. No. Weird. No way. I don't believe. It. Weird. Weird. That's so against his character. He said, smiling like an asshole. All right. Hmm. Anyway, I'm going to go somewhere and draw some feet. Um. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Quentin Tarantino. All right, folks. Uh, that is, so it's funny you said I did, I, did, I did go see Once Upon a Time in, in, in Hollywood. That was one thing that uh, my girlfriend and Shanty kept bringing up was the fact that you know, there's a lot of dirty feet on windows in this fucking movie. God, there's dirty feet all over the fucking place. It's a, anyway. It's basically like his John Rudolph. Yeah, it really is. Um. Anyway, folks, thank you very much. That's where we end up. I mean, we've been doing a lot of... We're going to come back uh, another full episode for um, X-Men Part 3. I don't know what part, how far we're going to into that. Um, we might, uh, before that, maybe do another little quick short. Uh, what did you call it? Character, cor- uh, character Corner Shorts? Um, yeah, we might I do called it like three things in the updates. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. I was like, one of these names is going to stick. Yeah, we'll figure out what it is. Uh, we might do something small. Maybe maybe we do a quick one on Wally West. Um, I know we've been talking about that a while. Let's let's go ahead and knock that one out. We it's something really really quick that we can do and talk to. We can keep it to fifteen twenty minutes and then uh, go from there. Although I'm saying that, but we're talking about Wally West, and we'll see what happens. I have emotions. We and all anger. We we all. We need to get it out. We need to go ahead and do that. So um, keep go it. Go read around. House and Powers of X. Powers of Ten. Read House of X. And Powers Immediately, go do these things. I, I'm about to go do that right now. So, um, again, folks, thank you guys very much for listening. Thank you guys very much for voting. If you are a new listener because you've somehow found us because of the podcast awards, thank you guys very much. I hope you guys enjoy what you heard. And, um, five star reviews. I'll read your reviews in the air. Yeah, do that. And, um, we'll be back. We got plenty more to talk about. And anything we miss, trust me, we will cover it again some other time because it just, it's how it works. We skipped over the new mutants in like uh, several times, and here we are doing a new mutants character corner. That's just a part one. Go fucking figure. We can't help ourselves. So, anyway, folks, thank you guys very much for listening, and until next time, we are out of here. Peace. <laughs>